Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Black ball. Black, black, black ball. Black, black, black ball. up everybody my name is james d fiori and this is black ball this year has been a year of religious examination for a lot of us it's been a year of covering things like cults here on black ball and on the dean blundell network and through the investigation and the interviews that we've done with the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, we have uh, been interested in stories that cover other religious groups, other religious extremism, and um, and other religious educational facilities that may have been guilty of abuse uh, upon their students and even some of their faculty. And one of those stories came out of Saskatchewan when a young woman became part of a class action lawsuit uh, when they made allegations against the Legacy Christian Academy, which is a Christian church inside Saskatchewan. And we had her on a guest earlier on this year, and there have been some developments, and we would like to talk to her again, so we decided we would. And her name is Caitlin Erickson. Caitlin, how are you? Hi, I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, yeah, th- th- there's no real way to sort of dance around why you're here, but I-, I want to, um, I want to, if you could, after you made the allegations against the Christian Legacy Academy, after other people came forward with their own allegations, what have you experienced since then? And um, I, I kind of want to know. The bigger question is, um, is it still worth it? So it wasn't until we went public to the media and we second of 2022 is when the first article had dropped um, to police um, a year prior um, about my, um, you know, it was when it went public, the some pretty bizarre you know, I I obviously expected a degree of harassment. Um, you know, I thought it would be online, majority of it. Uh, but yeah, there's harassment, and um, you know, as you are made aware, and there was a fire at my house, so been dealing with that for the last few weeks. You know, it's I don't think I fully processed the whole vandalism uh to be completely honest 
however worth it yeah it still is um you know intimidately are not not something that in this case it's been tried there's been people who have tried to come forward expose what's been going on there was people that tried in the 90s there's people that tried in the 80s you know they were met with a lot of harassment they were met with a lot of being sent about them a lot of slander and you know i feel this like thankfulness but this duty to the people that have tried to expose the things going on at christian center you know academy now rebranded to legacy and mile two church and they just weren't successful they were not being heard you know they weren't taken seriously and and i those people's stories are valid you know even though they weren't listened to at the time there's i feel this kind of duty of responsibility to you know everybody to these people that came before and they tried to do what we're doing now but just you know weren't same support yeah and it's and the bravery that it takes i don't think people really understand like your life often gets thrown you know turned upside down there is uh there's a certain level of um ostracization that that attempts to happen especially if you're still connected with anybody that's connected to the school or to the religious group and um i just want to show this quick headline from last month saskatchewan advocate clayton caitlin erickson's home vandalized fire lit inside Erickson is a former student of what is now called the legacy christian academy which has been embroiled in allegations of physical and emotional abuse what about the case? Where, where where are we at with the case? Is it just sort of grinding really slowly through the courts or what's the process been like? So there's two steps in the justice system that, that are kind of working simultaneously. <laughs> so we have the criminal process where there's, you know, over 50 police reports with criminal complaints of, you know, a lens that have gone on and abuse and and at the same time we have the called with the courts um a civil suit on august 8th and is chugging along um everybody's been served you know um was not found and was actively he's actively evading service uh justice curry here in Saskatchewan ruled that he was evading service. So they allowed. So in the court's eyes, everyone's been served. Um, also had a judge assigned to our civil case as well. So the chief justice assigned. Things are moving along. And on the civil side, um, today, um, some new defendants to the lawsuit. Uh, so you're catching me. Um, so yeah, we've announced three new names and this is from the intakes from students that have come into the law firm that have identified abuse. And today we also announced that we are adding the government assistant to our lawsuit. 
So, oh wow, you're adding the government of Saskatchewan to the lawsuit. And is that because is that based on the fact that they were given warnings and they never did anything about it, or that they allowed a religious institution to become accredited? What what what's the main focus on the province? When a claim, the updated statement of claim is very lengthy. Um, there is a lot of willful failings of the government that are listed from their own policies failed to maintain basic minimum standards in this school. They've also, you know, there's other things that have gone on since we've started this problem and, you know, things that have been, I would say, delivered, you know, to the media by the Minister of Education, Dustin Duncan, and information request. West, we've been able to see the information firsthand has spoken about in the press and see that he's actually lied so or he didn't know as the minister of education you have a responsibility when you ends to make sure you have the information so there's a lot there on the surface of things uh but there's a huge failing for many years from the government in regards to this school. It's amazing how governments remain often beholden to these religious groups or, or they're too timid to sort of take them on. Um, it's happened over and over again. Uh, it, it almost doesn't matter what religion it is. It's usually Christian religion. I, I have a funny feeling that if your school was a madras, or, 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 or an Islamic school that they probably would have done something a long time ago. Oh, just, just, just the, you know, just, just a, a guess. <laughs> but it seems seems to me that the Christian uh, schools and the Christian groups and the cults, anything that has to do with Jesus, they get left alone and they get hit with kid gloves if they get hit at all. But they mostly get protected. Does that say something to you about what um, Christianity means in this country or what it doesn't mean? I mean, I can't really speak. I can just speak to what I know. I am born and raised in Saskatchewan. We have, you know, province. We are referred to sometimes as, you know, the Bible Belt of Canada. Um, <laughs> you know, there there is a core of conservatives here conservatives because there's a lot of conservatives that don't even agree with you know the failings that have gone on with it. there is some political ties to this school and the current government uh, you know the church and students in it uh, campaigning for different conservative and different things so there are some political ties here uh, um, I do feel it was really bizarre I guess, and maybe, maybe I was a bit naive that when I, we as students, when we presented this to the government and said, "Hey, you know, these are some on for you know four decades now," and we really thought that the government this is heinous because there was so much evidence there, and be like, like let down, let's figure this out, and, and we weren't met with that we were men gaslighting and wrong information in the press like you know a good example is i 
had sent an email to the minister in the media. We've never received any email correspondence. And I said, oh, okay, okay, here he passed on the actual uh, email where the minister's office emailed me back, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it started with that. And then I was like, up here where this person isn't telling the truth. And then, you know, the Minister of Education, different times between, you know, now and August and had three inspections every year on this school since we gave it funding in 20. We received those inspection reports and that is false. The Minister of Education, in their own government inspection reports, they identified that the school did not to even be funded. And it's said and documented several times at the time that this school had some very, very serious issues. And there was a new superintendent a couple years later that had come along and basically that in off the um, inspection reports. So pretty bizarre going on and we as students um i mean i've met with the minister of education i met with him the man didn't say anything he literally sat there in silence the whole time i talked and two other former students talked said nothing and even when we asked thinking like we get that this is a lot to process like can you tell us what's going on there he didn't say anything. And then students asked the Minister of Education, you said in the press that you balance exams and parents' choice or, edu- or human rights and rights of Saskatchewan. And she said, first of all, did you mean that? And secondly, and he looked at her and said, thank you for your question. And that was it. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. What's his name? Uh, so Minister Dustation Minister. Um, we had a second meeting with Minister Duncan. Thing I asked him, I said, "I'm a parent. You're a parent. Where do you send your kids to?" Duncan looked at me and said, "I send my kids to," and I don't want to say it just out of respect for his children. But he sends in the province of Saskatchewan. So one of the 
students that was with said, um, okay, so are you going to acknowledge your bias to this situation then? Because send your children into a Christian school. Is that why you're not dealing with this? Hmm. He's like, be, he's like, you could say the same thing if I sent my kids to a public school and there was, and I said, right, but public schools have proper education as bringing this QIS school to a public school and, and they have certified teachers. Teachers are held accountable by the regulatory board. Now, because the Minister of Education has to teach at this school, they can't be regulated by anybody. They can't be regulated by a regulatory So therefore, it is the government's responsibility to regulate them. And they've not for decades. Yeah, that's amazing. And good on uh, you guys for, for grilling him like that. Because, you know, it's not that, first of all, I can't even think of a, of a province or a time in Ontario's history, because I, I live here, where you guys would even be allowed to sit down with the education minister. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, so I'm a little, uh, it's funny, I'm, I'm of two minds. One is that, okay, well, he sat down with you guys, that's great. And then on the other hand, you know, he didn't really tell you anything. And then he got defensive, you know. Okay. Um, there is a hunger that I've noticed in this country in this year, mostly because I'm focused on this kind of subject matter for justice when it comes to religious institutions um, facing the music for some of the harm that they've done to students and to young people, especially. I think, um, you know, I'd like to know if you think, first of all, have you covered, have you uh, looked at any of the, um, the other Christian organizations in the province, like the stuff that I've been doing with the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, and just to see if there's any comparisons, to see if there's any like notes that seem to be hitting the same? You know, I'm coming public with this. I've had a lot of different, you know, people that are, you know, experience trauma growing up from varying different, you know, religious backgrounds. So there's, there's been a lot of people reach out to me at a lot a lot of people, you know, sharing their stories and that seems to be consistent is just really the just um, lack of, of almost to, to proceed with criminal charges when it has to do with the church. Even when there's case law established, um, they still really following the criminal code and laying a charge and seeing that, you know, firsthand in some people's stories, people's, they, you know, information, they reported things to police, um, you know, over the years. And it's not, you know, some of us, you know, in the last decade, they've reported things, but, but that seems to be, and even when there is case law, it's really bizarre to me that that not being followed through with and there seems to be some sort of fear but at our justice system in the province of Saskatchewan you see a very uh, now we have the SAS party in power you see a very top heavy SAS party partisan um, people sitting at the top of the chain there in the justice system. It didn't used to be like that. Even 
like 15 years ago, they, there generally was people from news to, to have a more balanced um, justice system. And these are very, very unbalanced. And, you know, I think with the whole, you know, in pursuit of justice, people are really waking up to, you know, these systematic failures are, are not just in these institutions, but they're at government, all different types of government. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of more people are aware of that. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, I was I was making a couple of phone calls uh, regarding the whole thing in Maple Creek with the Plymouth Brethren. Mm -hmm. And I called, uh, I won't say the person's name yet because I'm still working on putting some st stuff together for a show, but I called one of the uh, government officials, uh, one of the represent, one of the uh, representations um, or one of the representatives from, from the Maple Creek area. And I called their, their office and said, um, and it was an assistant that answered. And I said, yeah, I would like to talk to, um, you know, minister such and such, uh, you know, about the Plymouth Brethren. And they mistakenly thought I was calling from the Plymouth Brethren. And they said, um, the minister really, or not the minister, the, um, the member of parliament really enjoyed the last time that he met with, with you and your religious and, and the Plymouth Brethren group. They, they thought I was calling from them. And I was oh, like, oh, wow. that's interesting. What, that's, a, that's an interesting little giveaway. Why are you meeting with this cult and what are you doing with this? Because they are a, a, an actual cult. This is, um, in a lot of ways, a, well, it's just a different kind of heinousness what you're dealing with because they're recognized as an educational institution. And, and I'm just, you know, I, I'm still floored that in 2022 we were dealing with this kind of thing. Um is there anything, and I'll let you go after this, is, is there anything that you um, hope to happen um, other than the, um, this, the, the way the case is expedited so that it doesn't take forever, but is there anything else that you kind of hope uh, uh, sort of takes place or happens out of this story, out of this case, that, that, that can like make people have a, have a greater confidence in the province in the future? Like what has to happen as far as you're concerned? Well, I think we've identified where, you know, these, these QIS schools kind of do their thing very unregulated. And today in the press conference that I, you know, I was participating in, as I said, is I was like, I, I am actually very saddened. Like as somebody who is proud of Saskatchewan and, you know, proud to be a prairie girl i i am very saddened that we had to add the government to this lawsuit in order to affect i mean i'm a single mom from a small town in saskatchewan i'm a nobody officials that are sitting in positions that have the power to make than it was for us growing up and they just don't want to do it because it affects Plus, you have a thousand kids. I do. The number's growing. It's thousand, four thousand. Yeah. Um, listen, I, I thank you very much for joining us. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I almost got the time. Well, almost. I did get the time mixed up. I thought I was supposed to wait till midnight. It's a, it's eleven forty one here now. I was supposed to start it in twenty minutes. I oh, thought, no. but thankfully, I 
I woke up from my little nap and I contacted you and you set me straight and I'm glad you did. Um, and I wish you well in your fight and, uh, and thank, thank you again you. for joining us. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was great. Great to talk to you. You too. Thanks, Caitlin. Caitlin Erickson. Um, her audio was a little bit choppy. Uh, that's okay though. I think we got most of what she was saying. Um, the evil safari glitch uh, took over once again. I am going to be following that story very carefully because I think that it is one of those touchstone uh, stories in this country. Um, one of several happening right now. The Maple Creek uh, Plymouth Brethren Christian Church case is still being investigated. There have not been any charges laid, I believe. Um, I'll get an update from Cheryl Hope. Hopefully this week we'll have her on the show and just give us a little bit of an update. There is, um, but there is an appetite, I think, for justice uh, when it comes to these religious institutions and the harm that they've done to uh, children, the harm that they've done to students, the harm that they've done, um, the harm that they've done to the adults that have been part of their organization for years. And I don't want to say don't know any better, but, you know, when you're born inside a religion like that, that is abusive and you know, and I'm talking about the Plymouth Brethren stuff, not the uh, legacy Christian Academy stuff, but the, you know, it, it can be difficult to sort of find a way to weed or, or to, to take away the hard wiring that's already been um, established in many of these people's heads. But I, I think that the appetite for, for justice is getting bigger. It also does seem that the appetite for religious Christian extremism is also seem to be getting bigger. I, I, I was surprised at that. In the early 2000s, uh, there was, a, you know, I was a big follower of, of the sort of new atheist movement and people like Christopher Hitchens and Sam Harris and all these guys. And they would talk a lot about how the, um, the fastest growing, um, quote, religious denomination was atheism and agnosticism. I don't know if that's true anymore because I, I see you know, uh, um, with, with, especially during the pandemic, there was a big sort of exposure of the undercurrent of radical Christian theology in this country that I was really surprised to see. And uh, so I don't know if we're going backwards in that regard or not, but um, I see Richard Dawkins, uh, someone's commenting there. That's it. Richard Dawkins is another one. You know, there is, but now it seems like the, the pandemic has sort of lifted the veil off of, uh, uh, you know, uh, like I said, the under an undercurrent in this country of radical Christian philosophy, and it's uh, it's strange to me. Um, it's like standing outside of an AA meeting. I don't know if you guys have ever, ever been to an AA meeting. Oh, I have. I've been to two, um, and it wasn't for me because of the higher power stuff. And I know there's people at home saying, "Well, you just gotta look past the higher powers." I just couldn't do it. And and a, don't don't get me wrong, AA really good for a lot of people. A lot of people I know used AA and they were fine. But I was um, I was struck by how many people smoking outside that AA meeting, because everybody smokes in AA, it seems, um, were, were approaching me and, and being like, you know, if it wasn't for Jesus, I probably wouldn't be able to get through. And, and again, I wasn't mocking them in my head. I was just like, yeah, that's not going to be what gets me through this um, because whatever. But there that that sort of affinity with Jesus and everything expressed out loud and sort of uh, promoted is something that, uh, I, you know, I didn't think I would see 
without an AA meeting being in a close vicinity um, and it just being sort of normal nowadays. Even people that I've been talking to for years, just in the digital sense, just all of a sudden um, in 2022, 2021, uh, would would start talking to me about Jesus. And I'm just like, you know who I am. I'm not going to be talking to you about Jesus. Like, oh, James, I thought maybe that this pandemic would have taught you something. Yeah. Taught me not to cough on people. <laughs> it's not gonna teach me to, to believe in something I don't believe in. Um, but with Caitlin's situation and with the Plymouth Brethren stuff in Maple Creek, um, there is a new need for uh, for accountability when it comes to these institutions. And I'm just um, a passenger along for the ride, speaking to people like like Caitlin and Cheryl and Richard Marsh and all those good people um, to try to, you know lift the curtain and, and see if we can um, expedite some of this justice that uh, should be shoveled into the mouths of these people who violate uh, children in the name of God. Um, and that is uh, a fight that I, I don't think I'm ever going to stop, stop pursuing. So um, given that, I thank you everybody for joining us and we will see you next time on Blackboard. Blackboard. Black, black, Blackboard. Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.